Hi, I'm Gavin Givanoni, Professor of Neurology at Barts and London School of Medicine and Dentistry, and I'm doing a newsletter and podcast on uh, a delayed MS diagnosis. Um, I like to refer to this as St. Elsewhere Hospital because this didn't occur under our watch, but who knows? Um, you can't be too clever in medicine and you need to be humble. Uh, I have several patients under my care where we as a unit um, have been responsible for delayed diagnosis. Now, the reasons for delayed diagnosis are often complex. Um, sometimes it's a systems level in terms of patients missing appointments for MRI scans, delays in them coming up for their lumbar punctures. So there are reasons why uh, the NHS actually um, has issues around having a delayed diagnosis. But this particular email I received from this patient um, is, I think, a little bit more than that. So she was a young woman, if I recall correctly. She's in her mid-30s. And she's recently been diagnosed um, with MS, but she contacted me for legal advice, which I don't give. Um, so I've anonymized this and changed the setting, but the principles are the same. Um, she presented back in 2012 with optic neuritis, diagnosed by a neuro-ophthalmologist. And at that time, an MRI was done and was abnormal. She was told she had lesions on the scan. I haven't seen the scans, but she said she had abnormal lesions and she was told that she might develop MS in the future. <clears throat> What's important though, she was not referred to a neurologist or a MS clinical expert. She was just, uh, and she wasn't offered repeat imaging. She was just simply told to return if she developed new neurological symptoms. She then went on to have a whole lot of prodromal symptoms, what I call prodromal symptoms, um, over the next 10 years, mainly chronic fatigue, intimate abdominal pains, and urinary symptoms. Urinary symptoms are quite nonspecific, mainly hesitancy and frequency, urgency, and um, <clears throat> one occasion where she had a little bit of incontinence. And uh, because she'd also had endometriosis diagnosed, this was put down to endometriosis. <clears throat> and wasn't put down to possible multiple sclerosis. She then developed an intermittent abdominal pain, which was a bit atypical for endometriosis, and she was apparently referred to another um, uh, consultant um, for investigation of this. And that part of that investigation included uh, imaging of her abdomen and her spine. And actually, the, the doctor who saw her said that there wasn't any compression of the spine or any uh, compression of the nerve roots coming out of the spine and he, he didn't feel there was any problem in the spine to explain her abdominal pain. He didn't say to her that her MRI was actually not normal because when she actually got the, rec the report of that MRI done in 2018 this year, it was actually reported as being suspicious. There was a lesion in the thoracic cord, in the mid-spinal mid cord, and the renewal radiologist actually had recommended repeat spinal cord imaging with they, what, what they call uh, axial or cross-sectional cuts through that area to see if it was a real lesion or not. And they also recommended brain imaging, and I suspect they recommended brain imaging because they were worried about this being inflammatory. In a demyelination compatible with multiple sclerosis. Anyway, the doctor investigating her was not a neurologist and didn't do that and sent her away. And then she presented earlier this year with progressive uh, weakness of her right leg. Uh, she was referred to a neurologist and the MRIs of the brain and spinal cord now are quite obviously uh, compatible with uh, 
demyelinating lesions and she fulfills the criteria for dissemination in time and space and has been diagnosed as having multiple sclerosis. Unfortunately, she's been classified as having secondary progressive MS and has only been offered saponamide. Um, and I would imagine um, the saponum has been offered because that previous MRI of the spine was counted as one lesion and she's got new, and she has now got multiple lesions in her spinal cord. So during the last four years, um, she's acquired new spinal cord activity, which explains the weakness in her leg. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had been monitoring her MRI of the brain, there would have been more lesions seen on her brain. Anyway, she's going to start saponamid. Anyway, she's quite upset by this. She's now wanting to seek uh, compensation for being not being diagnosed earlier and uh, offered uh, DMTs either in 2012 when she presented with optic neuritis or in 2018 when she had abdominal pain. The pain actually in her email is not difficult to <clears throat> understand and I probably would have to see this individual, take a good history and examine her to, to understand if the abdominal pain was due to spinal cord disease. It's quite common for spinal cord lesions to cause abdominal pain. The MS hug, for example, is due to a lesion in the spinal cord. <clears throat> What's really upset her is that her current MS neurologist um, has said to her that, that at the time in 2012 and in 2018, she did not fulfill the diagnostic criteria for having MS uh, and therefore was not eligible for DMTs. And I think this individual doesn't agree with him and she's gone away and done some of her own research and that's why she's found me and emailed me for advice. Anyway, this is a common problem and I don't want to be too critical because it could be our center having a delayed diagnostic problem like this. But we call this in, in medicine the St. Elsewhere problem where uh, we use it as a medical euphemism when there's a mistake um, happening uh, on else, someone else's watch. And I think in 2012, when this patient uh, presented with optic neuritis, she possibly had dissemination in space on scan. It sounds like she had multiple lesions. I wouldn't be surprised if that was dissemination uh, in space because she had an optic nerve lesion and brain lesions. Um, she didn't, even if she, if she had a GAD-enhancing lesion, I mean, that was not compatible that with the optic neuritis, so in another part of the brain, and they could have diagnosed her back then as having MS on, on the one scan. But what we would normally do in this situation is do an interval scan, usually three to six months later. And if there are new lesions, we would say she had MS. Okay. Um, they didn't offer her an interval scan, which I think is a mistake. And even if the interval scan didn't show new lesions, what we typically do is uh, start these patients off on annual monitoring for two or three years and then clinical monitoring after that. Um, because of the uh, chance of them having MS, they not they shouldn't be discharged. So I don't agree with that management. It's not what we would do in our center. <clears throat> I must point out that even in 2012, though, in the NHS, particularly in England, we were allowed to treat CIS that had a high-risk scan. So these are people that have lesions on their scan. Now, that the definition of a high-risk back in the in 2012 was up was in the eye of the beholder. You know, in the past, you had to have nine or more T2 lesions, but I think most people would just treat a high-risk scan as having uh, two or more lesions on the scan. And back then, you had the option of offering interferon beta or glutaramate acetate for people with clinically isolated syndrome. So this wasn't done. And that actually was a common problem, and it is still a problem. Neuro-ophthalmologists uh, often would not refer patients to MS neurologists, and I suspect this was the issue. She wasn't referred into an MS clinic and therefore wasn't offered interferon beta or glutaramate acetate. Um, now, why that doctor who's investigating abdominal pain uh, didn't 
arrange further imaging based on the report is difficult to interpret. I'd have to review the notes and I don't do medical legal work or I don't do this type of work. But I suspect they should have done that, in my opinion, because if they had done that, they would have almost certainly found uh, brain lesions and they would have referred this patient into a neurologist or an MS clinic and she would have probably gone through a diagnostic workup and diagnosed MS and probably offered um, a disease-modifying treatment. I suspect that abdominal pain uh, might have been an MS relapse. <clears throat> I also would have thought that uh, this patient should have had a lumbar puncture. The lumbar puncture is useful for two, three reasons. First of all, it helps exclude MS mimics, so it's, it's important for diagnosis, but it's also important for prognosis. The presence of OCBs and raised neurofilament levels, which we do in all our uh, demyelinating workups in our centre, um, provide prognostic information. So if you have very raised neurofilament levels, which are a biomarker of neuronal damage, that's a poor prognostic marker, and that tends to nudge us towards higher efficacy therapies. So I think based on the superficial facts of this case, I think she does have a case for um, delayed diagnosis and not being offered DMTs earlier. And it's a tragedy, this, because if she had been started on disease-modifying treatments back in 2012, who knows, she might have been a super responder to interferon uh, beta or GA and be completely well now. Well, even in 2018, she could have had a good response to whatever treatment was offered back then, and she may have delayed the worsening uh, and the diagnosis now of second progressive disease. So she's lost a lot of neurons in her spinal cord, and I think this case illustrates that time really is brain and spinal cord, and um, I suspect she's not alone. Um, uh, there will be tens of thousands of people like her with MS across the world who've had a delayed diagnosis, delayed access to disease-modifying treatments, and have suffered the consequences. So I would be interested to hear your stories. Um, even if you have rapid diagnosis, please make a comment. We can have a discussion around this. <clears throat> I also want to point out um, in this newsletter is that the diagnosis of MS should be always questioned because there is a high misdiagnosis rate. I refer to a US study um, in the newsletter um, that dates back to 2019, where about 20%, one in five people were misdiagnosed. I think this is probably higher than our experience. Uh, and I tend to rely on the Danish post-mortem data showing about 5%, one in 20 people who have been given a label of MS in life when they come to post-mortem have another disease. And that's and that's it's important to, to be aware of this. You know, the diagnostic criteria we use for making a diagnosis of MS are not 100% specific uh, or sensitive. In other words, they're not perfect at diagnosing the disease and excluding other ones. So you've got to be aware that you may be labeled with MS and have another disease. And that's why it's important to keep reviewing that. And this has implications because some of the treatments we use for MS um, have life-threatening complications. So you don't want to expose people who don't have MS to the side effects of our medication. And also, if it's, for example, neuromyelitis optica and other disease, some of the MS medications make those diseases worse. So you do really want to get the diagnosis right. And that's sometimes why people delay making a diagnosis, because sometimes time is a good doc diagnostician. The disease will manifest itself over the next 6, 12 uh, months or even further. And, and, and sometimes delaying the diagnosis is done because the diagnostic certainty is not high enough to make the diagnosis. And that could have been an issue with this patient. I don't know. 
Um, I personally still like doing lumbar punctures, as I mentioned. It provides additional information and it improves your diagnostic certainty. And that can only be a good thing. And also the prognostic information now is useful because it makes you helps you tell the patient about their future prognosis and helps them understand that they may they may they should have potentially have a higher efficacy therapies and this is one of the reasons why we are pushing flipping the pyramid because we now know on average people who go on to the most effective therapies first line do better and you can make the case to that individual based on the neurofilament levels that this is another poor prognostic sign uh, you, we recommend high efficacy therapies we can manage the potential uh, side effects and risks, we recommend high efficacy therapy. So this is an important reason for um, um, uh, <clears throat> doing neuro, uh, lumbar puncture neurofilament levels. Anyway, I just in the newsletter, you can read it. I discuss you know the principles around the diagnosis and how the diagnostic criteria are evolving. I also list a, a number of MS mimics that need to be thought about and excluded when you do the diagnostic workup. Um, some of you may have some questions around the uh, MS mimics uh, as well as the evolving clinical definition of MS. What I can say is that the diagnostic criteria are not usually practiced uh, uh, in, in routine practice. I mean, they exist mainly to make sure for, for that people who are going to clinical trials fulfill these criteria. And so the original Schumacher criteria that date back to the mid-60s actually were formulated for the ACTH or steroid trials back then. Poser then modified them by including evoked potentials and CSF analysis. And then the McDonald and the renditions of McDonald criteria included MRI analysis. And those have evolved. And there have been four different versions of that. And I've been told that there's going to be a fifth one. And the fifth one will include optic nerve, for example, and a few other um, changes. So, I mean, the whole reason for evolving the diagnostic criteria is to try and make the diagnosis earlier and, and, and be better at making the diagnosis. And they do have implications for how we interpret the uh, data, and I'll, I'll go through that in a different newsletter, how the evolving definition of MS has changed the prognosis and the long-term outcome for the disease. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this uh, podcast. Um, please... Uh, get back to us if you've got any questions and I'll try and answer them. And I would nudge you to subscribe if you can afford to. Um, the website's looking pretty good. Um, we've, um, the, the, resort, the, the, the money I'm making from the volunteers who uh, take up a paid subscription is being used to pay for a, a medical writer and a website designer. And we've put it through some beta testing. Uh, some people with the disease that I've asked to look, go through it. We had some feedback and we're improving it. And um, the reason why it's delayed and going live is me because I want to complete most of the first section, which is important. I've got about another six or seven detailed newsletters to do before we can finish that. But once those are written, um, the, the, the website will go live uh, and it will provide you with a much um, better experience, a curated experience where you don't have to go looking with a search engine. Just to give you an example, I've got an email from a, a person with MS about bladder dysfunction. They could, and obviously they didn't find my newsletter, which is actually called Infection from the very beginning of the MS Selfie newsletter that goes through self-management of bladder. And so I sent her the link, but that's what I'm trying to uh, overcome is you won't go to MS Selfie 
um, and to look, you'll go to the website where everything will be created one or two clicks, maybe three or four clicks. I don't know how it's going to look and you'll get to bladder dysfunction and how to diagnose and self-manage your bladder. And so that's the whole purpose of transferring the information in a curated way to the website. Anyway, um, I probably will do another few posts, newsletters before Christmas. But if you don't read them, I'm just going to say I hope you have a happy holidays, whatever your religion is, and have a good break. Uh, and um, I, uh, I will promise to get those other six long newsletters out uh, before the end of January. How's that sound? Take care. Bye-bye.